right, so welcome back to the Westridge Young Adult Podcast. Brad and April Chandler here. Hey. And we're going to jump into part two of our young adult questions. We had a bunch of them and we couldn't fit it all into one podcast. So part two, you ready to start it off, babe? I'm ready. Okay, next question. How was God created? Mm-hmm. He wasn't. And who created Jesus was another question. God and Jesus are the... The same okay. person, ultimately. Yes. So what we see God described as in the Bible, we see him in three distinct persons, like personalities. Mm-hmm. And even in the beginning, in Genesis, he says, let us let us make man, man in, in our, our image. image. He says, us. So we see this presence of the Holy Spirit. So God in a spirit form. We see God in this father form. And we see God in this son form, but all three are God. It's not like there's this belief in three gods. There's one God, but in three persons. So I've heard a hundred different ways to try to describe that. None of them are perfect or great. So I'm just going to leave it at that. And It's and where d- the word Trinity comes from. Right, yeah. which Trinity is not found in the Bible. So if yeah. you like do a search of the Bible of Trinity, you won't find it. That's just the term we've come up with to tr- try to describe it. God and three persons like that. But all three of those, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, God the Son, they are, they are all a part of creation in the beginning. And they're all constantly doing what God does, and which is creating, loving, drawing people to himself, working things together for the good. All the, all the different promises we see, that's what God's doing. And so who created God? Is, there, there is no creation of God. God is, which is one of the reasons I love the first name he ever gives himself is when he's talking to Moses at the burning bush and he just says, I am. Like, usually you follow that up with like a descriptor or a noun of some type, like I am (laughs) an awesome being or I am. Luke, I am your father. (laughs) Right. Like I am something, (laughs) but he's just, I am like, Mm -hmm. I have always been and will always be. That's who God is. Yeah. And so there is no beginning or end because he is the beginning and end. I've heard it explained. I mean, it makes sense that we would be like, how is God created? Because that's all we know is like... Everything has a beginning. Yeah, Yeah. everything has a beginning and an end. Mm -hmm. Um, But God does not exist in time, is Mm -hmm. what I've heard people say. We exist in time, so to us there's a beginning and an end. But if you're outside of time... There's no beginning, there's no end. So for God to try to explain that to us when all we understand is time, mm-hmm. for him to just say, I am, that's that's it. And it's hard for us to grasp because yeah. we don't understand time. Uh, life outside of time. Anyway, next question. Why does God not always answer my prayers right away? I'll make that question like a little bit broader. Okay. So why doesn't God answer my prayers? Kind of the end. Like seemingly when I want or how I want or whatever yeah, could, I think, be the kind of the heart behind the question. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that one, from what we see from Scripture and in my own experience, is that when we ask God for things, pray for certain things or pray for someone for some, a certain thing, like an easy one to point to is when someone's sick. We all tend to pray for them to be healed. I mean, that's what we would all want to see happen. The only problem, and I say problem, just as far as us understanding the answer to that prayer, is we don't know everything. 
Like we don't know all that's in play. We don't know all that's at stake. We don't know the future and we don't know the past of everything. And so when we pray for so-and-so to be healed, God knows if the best thing is for them to literally be healed in the way we're thinking, like where the cancer is taken away or the tumor shrinks or whatever that thing is. And sometimes that is the answer. That is the thing he wants to do. And so he does the thing we're asking because it matches up with what he wants to do. Then there's other times where we pray that prayer of heal this person and it doesn't match up with what he's wanting to do because there's something else going on that we don't understand. So he allows that person potentially to die from that illness or for them to struggle with it for a lot longer than we wish they had to. And that's just because we're people. Like we desire to a result that makes sense to us and that we can see like the immediate outcome of, but there's also for us as Christians, there's always got to be an element of faith where we're just trusting God's timing and trusting God's will and what he wants to do that's going to be better than what we want him to do. Because if we think he answers all of our prayers the way we ask him to, that almost is like saying we know better than God Mm -hmm. if he only answers the way we want him to answer. We have to trust that he's going to answer it the way he needs to answer it. And that's the better answer to the prayer, not necessarily what we wanted. It doesn't stop us from asking. It yeah. doesn't it doesn't stop us from still, you know, asking for so and so to be healed. And the only the only times it doesn't make sense to pray a particular prayer is if it directly goes against God's will. Like you know it does. Like if you're praying for someone to sin or you're praying for, you know, <laughs> someone to die or something like that. Yeah. Um I mean, if you pray directly against God's will, that is not a good prayer. He will not answer that prayer. Mm -hmm. But aside from that, like if you're not praying anything directly against something he's already said, and you're just praying for what you you know and what you think is the best thing, but yet still leaving the room for God to do what he needs to do and for you to have the faith to know that God still knows better, I think is kind of the general answer to that question. And probably a lot of times when we're praying, we forget who God is because I mean he knows so much more than we do Mm -hmm. obviously he doesn't have to answer our prayers obviously he knows what's best for us yeah I've heard people thank God for not answering their prayers because oh my gosh if he had listened to what I had to say when I was 13 or whatever you know like this would be awful because I didn't know what was best for me I didn't know what was best for everyone around me Mm-hmm. If we feel like God is not answering at all yet mm-hmm. or making you wait or whatever, I don't know. Sometimes we're not ready mm-hmm. for the answer. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about our oldest son, Cooper, mm-hmm. who was asking me, basically he was asking about sex and he's only seven right now. And so I was like, you know what? I will tell you about that, but not right now. <laughs> I'll tell you when you're a little bit older, when you're a little bit more ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, I don't know that that specific situation yeah. happens in our lives. But I think with God, it's probably like you're not quite ready to have that answered yet. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't know what's happening. So we just have to trust him and, and just rest in him and that he hears us and loves us and, and wants what's best for us. Yeah. And growth happens in the waiting a lot of times, too. And he knows that. If he always gave you the thing you wanted right when you wanted it, there's an opportunity for you to grow through some of that that wouldn't have happened had he answered it right when you asked him. Yeah. Um, next question. 
How do you get saved and how do you know if you are actually saved? It's a really important question. Yeah, this is like one of the biggest ones uh, for sure. I mean, and so we can define what saved is really quick just so that makes sense to everybody. So to be saved is something that if you grew up in church, you've heard that phrase before. Or if you've been around Christians, you might have heard that phrase before. So getting saved is just of that is accepting Jesus as your Savior from your sin. So he's saving you from the penalty of sin, being bound by sin as far as feeling like you have to always do that particular sin, whatever that thing might be, the thing that isn't lining up with what God's called you to and what he's asked of you, and the things that ultimately hurt you and other people. So that's what being saved is, is accepting Jesus as your Savior to forgive you of your sin, to enable you to now know God and have a relationship with God and to become reborn, which is why you also hear born again. Why? What does that mean? Well, when you accept Jesus and you get saved, you're described as spiritually dead. But then when you accept Jesus, your spirit becomes alive. And like we mentioned earlier, that's the part of us that lives on forever. And that part of us now is been born when we accept Jesus. So that's the being born again part. It's not like you're physically born again. It, I love the part in scripture in I'm pretty sure it's John where the guy who's asking how he can be saved is asking Jesus that question and Jesus says you have to be born again. And the guy's basically saying and I'm paraphrasing this, but that's kind of awkward and weird. Like how can a man be born again? Like I'm not going to fit in my mommy's tummy again. Like that's that's kind of it's kind of odd. And that's where Jesus kind of elaborates and explains. Now he's looking up the verse. <laughs> okay, we're going to get the actual verse now. It's talking in John chapter 3. says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. No one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked, surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Awkward. See? Right? <laughs> uh, Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. So, yes, that is that is what uh, we're talking about. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So that's being saved. So what was the other part of the question? Like, how do you get saved? How do you know if you're actually saved? Oh, okay. So this is like a, I think this is something that a lot of Christians struggle with because they, I don't think you said exactly how to get saved. I haven't. I'm about to. Okay. I was just saying what saved is. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So we've just, we've defined it. It's accepting Jesus as your savior. Romans talks about confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So that's the moment of accepting it. Uh-huh. So that's how, like, well, how do I do that? Well, literally just, you can talk to God wherever, whenever. Yeah. And just confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. That you don't have to say that stuff out loud. You can say it out loud. It's just an in, it can be an internal or external monologue between you and God, um, or conversation between you and you and God. That's uh, confessing. Like I need a savior. Yeah. I believe Jesus is that savior, and believing that. And uh, so when that happens, the Bible says calls calls you saved. Like you will be saved. God promises He will do that. You don't have to wonder if it really took. Or if it really happened. So if you did that at any point and you, you knew what you were doing, then you're saved. You don't have to like second guess that. There's been a lot of students that I've dealt with before and talked with before that have 
they question that and they accept Jesus like 15 times. Like every other week they're accepting Jesus at camp for five years in a row. They've accepted Jesus. And it's like, I mean, there's any step towards Jesus is a good step. So it's not like any you of that. Discourage any yeah. Of it's that. not like yeah. any of that is bad, but if we're wanting to get all technical of when did you accept Jesus? Well, the time that you said it and meant it. Mm-hmm. If that was the very first time and the very first time. Yeah. And we're constantly going to be growing in what that means and understanding of what it is to follow Jesus and how we can love him and have a relationship. Like that's going to keep growing the rest of our life. Mm-hmm. You never stop growing and in, in following Jesus because we're trying to do uh, the things he's called us to and we're living out the way Jesus lived. And that is a constant process. Like, there's going to be mountains. There's going to be valleys, like dark places you're going to go to, high places where you feel really close to God. You're going to feel like you're maybe saved. You're going to feel like you're not saved. None of that matters if you made that choice. Right. It's all about what God did for you. And however you change over the years or however you feel, none of that has any effect on what God did for you. Yeah, you'll. Tr- I mean, there will be moments where you try to talk yourself out of it. Like, oh, I didn't really mean it. Or where, um, where you'll be tempted to just doubt the things God says to you. I mean, and the, just the general idea of you hold on to truth and that's what your life is built on is a principle just to apply for the rest of your life. Because, yeah, I mean, you could start to think, well, I don't know if God really loves me because I did this really bad. Even though I accepted Jesus, like I still did something wrong. Like mm-hmm. that, you'll be tempted to believe that you undid what God has done, but you can't undo what God has done like that. That doesn't work. So you just have to know what's true, and th- and that is what you believe. And that is what uh, affects your thoughts and your feelings is what is actually true. And God is always true. There's nothing false about Him, which is why it's so important for us to continue to learn more about Him and continue to press into Him because that's the stuff you can build your life on. He's the one that you can trust always. He's the one that you can believe. And so... Um, so that's how you get saved. That's what being saved is. And it is literally the most important decision that you'll ever make. And you can do it anywhere at any point because God is constantly and always pursuing you and loving you. Here's an interesting question. Okay. Can Satan hear your thoughts? Mm, that is interesting. Yeah. Because if he could, that's frightening. Like that is scary because <laughs> he could turn like your worst fears against you. So super you know, Batman nerd, right? Me. Potentially he could. That's me. Yeah. So that like reminds me of the Scarecrow villain in the Batman comics. Yeah. Because... You have to describe him. He like... He's super creepy. Well, he, he's like this doctor who has this formula, this like gas poison Nightmare. type thing. Yeah, that can... It brings up your worst fears. Like, and he plays off of your worst fears and uses it against you and... And fear is one of those tools and things that when we're experiencing like extreme fear, it just paralyzes us. It keeps us from doing things. It keeps us from really seeing things clearly and knowing what's true and things like that. So anyway, this scarecrow villain like uses that. And so if Satan were to be able to know all of our thoughts, he could do that same kind of thing. Like he could play off of our worst fears constantly and he could be keeping us just paralyzed from doing anything. If God let him. I mean... I feel like you're giving Satan too many, too much power. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you if. I said if at the beginning of that. If he could do that. If he could know all of our thoughts. Well, even if he could know all of our thoughts, he's still subject to whatever God lets him do. 
that's, that's all I'm saying. That's true, but he is also powerful. God also says, flee Satan. Like, yeah. So my point is, if he could, but the the question is, can he know your thoughts? Mm-hmm. No, he cannot. He is not God. God is the only and one who can know your thoughts. you just looked that up a minute ago, too. I did. And the, the reason I'm saying no is because there's no... There's no biblical example or verse or story that tells us that Satan knows our thoughts like that. Yeah. It says that God knows our thoughts. God knows our thoughts. He knows our hearts. He knows our motives. He knows all that stuff. But there's never a reference to Satan knowing those things. Mm-hmm. Now, Satan, can he sees us, and he can see what you are tempted by and struggle with, and, and he can... He's been around a long time. Yeah, he's known what you've done for, for your life. You know, and so it's not like he doesn't have information, mm-hmm. but he can't see in your head. He can't, he can't get in your heart. Like that's, he doesn't have that ability or that power and God does. And God's the only one who does. And to April's point, Satan can't just do anything and everything he wants. God gives him permission to, yeah. he has to literally ask God for permission. Yeah. And, that's and in you, the Bible. You see that with the story of with Job. Job and, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good question though. Okay, here's another one. Why does every sin equal the same in heaven? Basically, why isn't one sin worse than another? Right. Well, so there's just sin as a general category, like this is sin. Mm-hmm. And in terms of what the question is, like sin is just sin. It's it's kind of like right and wrong. There's right and there's wrong. Now, there's degrees of it as far as the consequences of it. And that's what I, how I would describe sin. Like there's sin is sin as far as it's equally missing the mark. It doesn't matter if you miss the mark by a little bit or you miss the mark by a lot. It's still just sin, but there's different consequences for sins, which is why, yeah, which is why if you killed someone, like you murdered someone, you're going to go to jail forever. Um, or for, (laughs) I say forever for like the rest of your life, on earth most likely is going to be the consequence of that sin. Whereas in God's eyes, you killing some murdering someone is still against what he called you to, just like it was when you told a lie to your teacher about doing your homework. Lying is also a sin. So even in saying it out loud, you hear like the tension there. Like, wait, yeah. wait a second. <laughs> Lying to your teacher about your homework, if your dog ate it or not and murdering someone how in the world are those the same? Mm-hmm. They're the same in that they're both sin. They're not the same in that the consequence, the consequence totally and the different. severity of the sin. And who they hurt is right. completely right. different. But Jesus died for both. Yeah. And Jesus loves both people. And if Jesus were to just say, like, well, the homework thing, you're good. I, I, I love you I <laughs> more than this person who... Murdered someone. The the problem with when we start to, as people, classify sin and rank sin mm-hmm. is we then start to rank people and like God's love for people and like who's who's good and who's bad. Where the thing is, all of us are broken. All of us have fallen short. All of us are sinful. So we all need Jesus. We all need God. And we all get led astray by the fact that we've sinned. And some of us get led further off the path than others so to go off and like murder people you've gone pretty far off the path Mm -hmm. but we as christians can't look at that and say well you know that's a way worse sin 
than this other sin because that doesn't help anything to say that. The consequence, yes, is different. There's going to be things that are going to have to happen in order to help get you back on the path. Yeah. Like to see the error of your ways, like this, the fact that that was sin and, and potentially for you to be repentant. But it, as far as a, one sin being worse or different than another, you, you just can't really make that distinction like that. And I think that kind of worries or doesn't sit right with some of us because I think we're tempted to think, well, I'm okay because I'm not doing what they're doing. It gives us an excuse. Yeah. Or it's not fair that, you know, they did this really, really bad thing and I didn't do that bad of a thing. Yeah, I could have done that too, but I didn't. And God still loves us the same? Like, how is that fair? Me and you talked about this earlier in the car, like... We can't be the judges of what's fair. We don't know enough to be judges of what's fair. Only God can judge that. Nothing about us going to heaven is fair. Is fair. We don't deserve that. No. And the only reason we do is because God loves us yeah. and sees all of us in our sin mm-hmm. and calls us loved and his sons and daughters and why he gives us all Jesus. He doesn't say only the ones who haven't murdered people are going to be able to go to heaven and I love them. Like he does it with all of us and that none of that is fair. The big, the, if you want to say big sins or little sins, those of us that have done little and those of us that have done big, like that's none of it is fair. So it is great that we are not the judges of what's fair and what's Mm -hmm. not. And if sin is different or not, God calls all of it sin. We've all fallen short. We all need Jesus. Yeah. And by the way, like the little sins are where it starts. Like, you don't just go up to someone and kill them unless, you know, there's something really wrong in your head. Yeah. But usually it starts with, you know, being jealous or being angry. Mm -hmm. And that slowly just morphs until it's a stronger and stronger sin. So, I mean, even the little sins are can be so dangerous because of what they can lead to. Or, you know, I'm just going to look at a little bit of porn or, you know, just dabble in here, but eventually it can lead to a full-on stronghold or wanting to take the porn somewhere else, you know, reach outside of that. Or it's not enough for you or, you know, like all the little things can definitely be just as dangerous if we don't look to God and, and ask for his help in all of that and take it seriously. And that puts us all in the same playing field to know that the sin I struggle with if followed through on and without being put in check, leads me to the same places where people that I view as worse sinners are at. Which means you're no better than them. Like, none of us are any better than another. Which is really helpful to remember because it keeps you humble and it keeps you desperate for, for Jesus and knowing that you need Him and that the people that maybe you view as worse than you they need him just as much. And so instead of looking down on them, you're like praying for them and like wanting to do things to help them experience what you've experienced because you both need forgiveness. So. Yeah. Okay, this is a good question. What is the best way to maintain a spiritual mindset when you're going through the trials of each and every day? A spiritual mindset. So I'm assuming spiritual. they mean just staying connected with God and remembering that he's with you. and Yeah. And staying focused on the things he's called you to, I would assume that's what that means. So if that is the case, then I love that God calls us to be 
talking with him and in communication with him all the time. Pray the without ceasing. There we go. And again, if we're spiritually alive, we've been reborn. Another thing we haven't really talked about is the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives in us. It resides in us. And so God's presence is with us always. And so to keep a spiritual mindset, one easy way is just to remember he's literally with you all the time. In the, the time where you feel tempted and you feel like you're alone, no, God's there too. When you are in the middle of a throwdown fight, and I don't mean like physical fight, you're verbally just going at each other with maybe a family member or your best friend or, or somebody you're dating or something like that, God's there. Like he's with you and he gives you a way out of temptation. He gives you words to say that you wouldn't have necessarily thought to say on your own, words that are encouraging or loving. And to know that he's with you always is super encouraging and is able to keep you kind of in that mentality and mindset, as well as what we just said, as far as praying without ceasing, constantly just knowing God's there enables you to constantly talk to God. And you don't have to, again, be saying that stuff out loud. You just, in your in your soul, know he's there, and you're just kind of constantly just talking to him about stuff. Things that frustrate you, things that cause you to feel insecure, things that make you angry for people that you're interacting with, like all kinds of things. You're just talking to him about that stuff all the time. And it changes your whole mentality and your mindset when you're thinking that way and you're approaching your days that way and you're approaching your life that way to know that you're, he's right there with you for every step. So basically knowing the truths, knowing what's true about yourself and who you are and who God is in your life, I think that helps to have a spiritual mindset. Mm-hmm. And it really closely relates to when we had our first son, Cooper, I was, I wanted to have a natural birth and with like no pain medicine or anything. And I believed that I could do it. A lot of it was like research that I had done. And there was this, um, this program that I started doing. And the main thing that they taught you was if you believe all these positive, their truths about, um, when you're in labor it will help you relax and help your body do what it needs to do. And you're not focused on how it feels. You're just focused on what's happening. And then it helps it not be painful so you can get through it. Anyway, that's kind of off subject in a way. But I had these affirmations that I had to listen to every day. And they were just truths about labor and pregnancy. And they totally changed the way I viewed all of that so that when I was actually in the moment going through that like big trial of giving birth I had all these truths that I knew and they were just playing in my head I I actually listened to it as I was giving birth and it totally changed the whole like experience for me so when I see this question and like thinking of spiritual mindsets I think of how powerful it can be just to know what the truths are about how God feels about you, about just who you are in general, so that you can face trials with confidence and just, yeah. you know, power. Yeah, when you know what, who, who he is and who he made you to be and what he promises and you know that stuff's true and you're thinking about it, it your thoughts and your knowledge affect your feelings and they yeah. affect your approach and your perspective on everything that happens. So if you're constantly filling up your head with what's true, and that's why we 
have talked about on this podcast, like reading the Bible is why it's such a big deal is not because it's just this like check mark thing you're supposed to do as a Christian. Like it's a means of filling you up with truth and learning more about who God is and who he made you to be. And those are the things that affect you on a daily basis because it affects your feelings and your thoughts and the the way you interact with people and even with yourself, the your inner monologue that you have and thoughts you have. God changes those things when he speaks into our life. And he speaks into our life the most or mainly through the scripture that he gave us. So I think practically a good thing to do would be to go through verses. You could even look them up, you know, online verses about, I don't know, I don't either. who I am. Mm. What would you look up? I'm trying to think of a good... Like who April is? No. Um. Anyway, look up verses of encouragement and that show you who you are and the ones that resonate. Yeah, like promises. Promises. Thank yeah. you. That's the word. Um, look up promises that God has for us and just write down the ones that really resonate with you or ones that you know you forget a lot and even just keep it on a card with you that you can look at and just remember when you feel yourself getting anxious or you feel yourself getting angry or whatever your thing is that you're struggling with at the moment, you can just pull that card out and just even say the things aloud that you know that who you are and whose you are. And I think that can be really powerful Mm -hmm. because we're filled with lies all day long, depending on what we're focusing on. So we Mm -hmm. have to counteract that or we're just going to be, Drowning in them. Word. Not to be dramatic. <laughs> well, I think that's the last one. There's a lot of questions. It's yeah. good though. I like it. I liked it. So good stuff. So good stuff. We'll be back with a new podcast next week. Yep. All right. Love you guys. Bye. For more information about Westridge Church and our young adult ministry, please go to westridge.com/slash YA.